Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the OFNT Podcast. OFNT stands for Old Fart, New Tech. I'm your host and resident Old Fart, Jim Schaefer, and the podcast, at least to me, is the new tech. I hope this finds you well and you're having a great week. Yeah, episode 57 of the OFNT podcast is live, I guess. Coming to you from the studios of the Factual Data Creation Facility. Well, episode 57 is going to be a strange one. Usually I write the script for this show during my spare time at work using Microsoft Word and then save it to Microsoft OneDrive. I then transferred a script file to iCloud and Apple Pages the day before recording for editing and any last-minute updates. This method has been working very well for me, but unfortunately, this week's episode script is lost in the various clouds somewhere. I don't know if it was something that I'd done wrong or what. I'll update you when I know. This particular week, I was able to do most of my editing at work, so I figured I could just make any changes on the day of the recording. Hey, I'm a busy guy. There's a lot of television to be watched during my precious time off. Imagine my surprise when I opened up the file, and it wasn't there. Well, it's too late to research topics again, so I'm basing this episode on my foggy old fart memory. So I'll try and do my best to remember the news I was supposed to bring you. The lesson learned from all of this is that I need to find a better way to back up my scripts. Tech news. This week, Apple released their new AirPods Max over the ear headphones in five different colors for the price of, wait for it, 549 US dollars. No! That's right, 549 Bucky Smacks plus tax. I don't know about you, but these are just a little out of my price range. The AirPods Max are aimed to compete in the so-called luxury headphone market. Heck, I wasn't even aware there was a luxury headphone market. I guess I need to get out more. Of course, I'll be wearing a mask. They're packed with tech, though some of the expected tech didn't make it into the final product. Included with the AirPods Max is a carrying case that resembles a woman's brassiere. And you know that the internet was all over that. I'm sure they sound great, but at that price, it's obviously not for us presents. I don't listen to music as much as I used to, and when I do, I'm usually on the move or in some waiting room, so I'm not even considering these. Now, I could win the lottery and decide differently, but I'd have to actually play the lottery first. So for now, my trusty AirPods Pro will have to do. Oh, 
And what happened to AirTags? I figured they would have been a hit given the rumored impulse buying price they were supposed to hit during this gift-giving season. Ming-Chi Kuo, the Apple analyst who has the best track record, predicts that next year's iPhone will feature under-the-screen Touch ID as well as Face ID. This will be great for future pandemics, I guess, as Face ID can't work if the user is wearing a protective mask. According to Bloomberg.com, Apple has begun making its own in-house cellular modems earlier this year. This will further cut out Qualcomm from their manufacturing equation, which will lighten Apple's dependence on outside suppliers. I just hope the company's modem is as good or better than the Qualcomm version they employ now, especially after the Intel modem fiasco, which I was the victim of last year. Eh, time will tell. Apple's home exercise and fitness service, the aptly named Apple Fitness Plus, will debut Monday, December 14th for the price of $9.99 per month. I guess with the pandemic raging, or should I say the pandemic-caused lockdowns raging, Come on, man. there's a good market for this. However, with vaccinations starting and gyms hopefully reopening, how is this service supposed to survive? Just asking for a friend. FireEye, a leading cybersecurity firm, announced that it was hacked by a state actor. The company said that the tools used to hack the company have never been seen before and seem to have been created for the sole purpose of stealing FireEye's security tools. Of course, shares in the company's stock tumbled on the stock markets following the announcement. The U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation is assisting the company. I think this points to an inside job. I mean, how else would hackers know how to create tools just for this particular hack? Hmm. If I were investigating this incident, I'd start by checking employees that have O or H series work visas and personnel who have connections to a certain known nation state that has a reputation for stealing any and all IPR that they can get their hands on. The Chinese company Huawei finds itself under fire this week from numerous human rights groups for the development and deployment of a facial recognition system tailored to look for and alert authorities to the presence of minorities, specifically the country's Uyghur population. I wonder what Huawei's warm and fuzzy grandpa of a CEO has to say to defend this. The Korean giant Samsung is set to release the Galaxy S21 flagship phone in January of next year, if a leading Indian retailer is to be believed, and I don't see why they would be wrong. This is a departure for Samsung, who usually release the Galaxy flagships in the fall. I do love the hardware of Samsung phones, but the old TouchWiz shell the company used to put around uh, Android turned me off years ago. It's too noisy, colorful, and busy for my taste. The inevitable slowdown of performance didn't help either. I know TouchWiz is gone, but timely security updates are still lagging behind pure, like, Android phones. For example, the Pixel, OnePlus, and Motorola models. Leaks of a so-called Google Pixel 5 Pro are making rounds on the internet, and they've been proven false by anonymous sources within the big G. 
So if you had your hopes up, consider those hopes semi-officially dashed. Do you use Google's messaging app for your text communications? Do you use that app on a Samsung, OnePlus, Motorola, or TCL manufactured phone? If you answered yes to those two questions, you've been probably having problems texting. That's because a recent update to the Carrier Services app, which was a version 50, broke some things. Google is rolling back some of those updates so you can resume using the messaging app. On the bright side, the great thing about Android is that there's a bunch of third-party apps you can use until Google fixes things. And continuing with Google stuff, ArsTechnica.com reports that Google's mysterious next-generation mobile operating system named Fuchsia is accepting outside contributions for the first time. I've discussed Fuchsia in previous episodes. What's available for the public to view appears to be a card-based system that reminds me of WebOS. That was the operating system Palm used on its last smartphones. It was way ahead of its time and featured cards that would remind you of appointments or recommend actions to take at specific times and locations. Sound familiar? Well, Android and iOS stole, uh, I mean borrowed, I mean were inspired by this system and implemented this feature in slightly different ways on their own operating systems. Before WebOS, smartphone operating systems only would remind you of things if you told them to do so in settings. What I find interesting about Fuchsia is that it is being built from scratch. It won't have a Linux kernel like the other two aforementioned operating systems. The article highlighted a phrase within the description of the new operating system, which states it's being built from the ground up to prioritize updateability, amongst other things. This is important because the current state of Android, like it or not, is fragmented. This is because the ability of manufacturers to alter Android to their liking. Tech commentators predict Fuchsia will make its hardware debut in 2021, running on smart speakers, and in 2023, it will be running on mobile phones. In my opinion, I think if Fuchsia is released, and you know we're talking about Google here, it's uh, Google's answer to iOS. The company will finally be able to control the operating system and the App Store and be able to optimize their hardware, just like Apple does. What do you think? And finally, that cesspool of a social app, Facebook, is facing an antitrust lawsuit from the U.S. federal government and 46 individual states. The goal here is to break up the company by forcing Facebook to sell off WhatsApp and Instagram. I support this lawsuit and hope it succeeds. Next, I hope that Article 230 of the Internet Communications Act is modified to the point where Facebook and its cousin Twitter aren't protected from liable suits for what's posted on their platforms. Big social platforms such as these abandoned this protection once they started censoring certain points of view that went against their agenda. Well, tech I'm using. I really don't have any new tech that I'm using to tell you about. And being that the original script for this show was lost, I'll be improvising. I'm lazy, so don't harbor any expectations. Instead, I'll just run down the tech I use every day in my life. First up, to ensure a strong Wi-Fi signal around my house, I use the TP-Link's Deco M9 Plus Tri-Band Mesh System. 
I upgraded uh, to these from Google's old mesh system and finally got close to the actual speeds I pay for from my provider. They were easy to set up and the app is great. I receive frequent updates and these things are rock solid. Next, my iPhone 11 Pro Max is my vehicle's entertainment system and my main health tracker. It just keeps getting better with each software update. My Apple Watch Series 6 is a great companion to the phone and can duplicate many of the functions of it. If only the hand-washing timer didn't have a mind of its own. The Aura Ring does everything it's supposed to, and I find the Aura app's ability to tell me how I feel and what to do about it helpful and kind of creepy. My Omron Series 10 blood pressure monitor is a vital ally in my battle against hypertension. The Santa Medical Pulse Oximeter is a cheap but effective way of sensing the onset of a COVID-19 infection, at least I hope. The Burcom non-contact forehead thermometer is used as a backup to the Aura app, which despite its low price has proven itself more accurate than thermometers costing three times its price. And we have my old 12.9-inch iPad Pro. Though lately it's showing its age, it is still my go-to entertainment center for watching content that the rest of the family refuse to watch. It's also great at script editing and as an ad hoc teleprompter. The Apple TV 4K streaming box hooked up to my LG television provides a great way to access all the content an old fart could ever want. Though more memory would be appreciated if added to the next model of this series. My Amazon Alexa Spot is my nightstand companion, allowing me to easily see the time and give me a quick rundown of news and weather before I climb out of bed. It also plays podcasts, which sometimes help me to drift off to sleep, especially if I'm listening to my own. It's too bad that this model seems to have been discontinued. Last but not least, I use two electric toothbrushes, one from Sonicare and one from Oral-B. They clean teeth differently, so I use one in the morning and one before I go to sleep. I have access to many pieces of tech, but these are the things I use every day. What do you guys use every day? Entertainment News Howard Stern has agreed to a five-year extension of his contract with the satellite broadcaster Sirius XM. The deal is reportedly worth $120 million per year for Stern. Well, that's a lot of cash. Too bad Hollywood Howie isn't as generous with the salaries he pays his staff, according to ex-employees of the former shock jock. The only person from that show that seems to be well compensated is his longtime co-host, Robin Quivers. Myself, I was never really a fan of this show, but I admit it was groundbreaking and sometimes funny. But lately, Stern comes off like a cranky old uncle more than the shock jock that he is, or should I say was. He had threatened to start a podcast, but though it would be would have been wildly successful, it wouldn't have brought in the kind of money Sirius XM is forking over. Now, if only Sirius could turn a profit. There's been a backlash against Warner Media and the company's decision to release all of its slate of 2021 movies in theaters and on its HBO Max streaming service simultaneously. While I can sympathize with the big theater chains, they themselves destroyed the independently owned theaters many, many years ago. You know, karma is a female dog. 
Other than that, it was the same posturing from the overpaid and decadent Hollyweird crowd. It must be an awfully nice bubble to be living in. Podcasting news. Well, I had some topics here, but they were lost along with the original script. But here's what I can cull from my foggy memory. From podnews.net. A survey of podcast listeners conducted by Edison Research has found that there are too many ads in podcasts. Well, in my opinion, this is because the majority of podcasts these days are either from large entertainment and podcast networks, major news organizations, or celebrities. These types expect to be paid, and to be paid well. The only way to get back the investment and make a profit is by accepting advertising revenue. Again, I'll remind you, advertising is a form of censorship. And speaking of which, I'll be attempting to monetize my shows after my retirement from my day job. That way I can justify spending the time writing scripts, editing, and researching topics. I plan on eventually having a co-host and, when possible, upgrading my equipment. I'll never have ads, and though I would like to be listener-supported like the No Agenda podcast, but due to my limited resources, I can't bring the juice, so to speak. The only way sans advertising that I can see is using a service such as Patreon. The way I figured it, I'd provide one free show a week, and then two more for only subscribers weekly. If you have any ideas for me, let me know at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com. And just an aside, I looking over my stats, I realize I get more downloads of this show on the Pandora streaming platform than I do from Spotify. I really didn't see that one coming. Libsyn, the old, one of the oldest and most popular podcasting hosts, has himself a Chinese problem. It seems the precursor company to Lisbon, known as Wizard Software Corporation, accepted money from China-based venture capitalists. One of the conditions of the investment was to merge with a company named DEI, which, like the venture capitalist, was based in China. As part of the merger, it issued shares to DEI. At the time, those shares were worth $30 million and it gave DEI a 49% stake in the new company. After a time, Libsyn's management, management decided to pay a visit to its sister company, arriving only to find empty offices and that the management of DEI was either in jail or had just disappeared. It seems DEI wasn't a giant multimedia company like they thought it was, but it was as a company that specialized in distributing pirated games, films, music, and educational and mobile phone software. The members of the now-defunct DEI, at least the ones that can be accounted for, currently own a 27% stake in Libsyn. Libsyn has sued to nullify the increasing share stakes and prevent the holders from voting when stockholder approval is needed. These votes could block the sale of Libsyn, which, I gleaned from the article, seemed to be actively shopping around for a suitor. Most of the Chinese stakeholders use fake names and addresses, so tracking them down will be difficult. 
All I can say is, in the words of a former co-worker, good luck with that, bro. Shouldn't the management at Libsyn have done their due diligence and at least researched the company they were going to merge with? I guess that VC cash looked too sweet to turn down at the time. Unfortunately, Libsyn is just the latest U.S. company to be lured by the shiny light of doing business with Chinese entities, only to realize that they've been burnt by the light that attracted them in the first place. While just getting started in podcasting, I considered Libsyn during my search for a host. I found their website to be not too user-friendly and kind of archaic, while their pricing tiers were just too expensive for my budget. According to RainNews.com, Fox News Media has put its podcast catalog on Amazon Music. I'm sure Fox is just the first of many major media corporations to do so. As far as my experience with putting this show on Amazon Music, the needle barely moved in relation to audience numbers. The rest of the podcasting world seems to be winding down for the holidays. Okay, it's rant time. Gotta ask you, you like to laugh? I know I enjoy laughing and making other people laugh. While I know my humor isn't appreciated by some, generally I manage to make most people at least chuckle. Not so the younger college-educated people I encounter. With them, I've noticed an anger and a predisposition to be offended by anything and everything, whether said in innocence or jest. I have to ask, what the heck are they teaching the kids on campuses these days? Don't they consider themselves lucky to have been able to further their education beyond high school? I wish I had that opportunity right after finishing that level. Instead, I had to work, thus putting off furthering my education. If they think the world is such a horrible place, why don't they join us working stiffs out here and then attend college? I feel bad for the young person who can't find humor in everyday life and the situations it brings. It's not normal and will probably shorten their lifespan, being angry and upset constantly. My old fart advice to this angry young generation is, lighten up. Yes, there are horrible things in this world, but it's not just up to you to fix it, no matter what the piece of paper says that they handed you upon collecting the criteria they set for you or whatever that bubble-dwelling professor lectured you in class. Take it from me, you'll be happier and appreciate more if you just follow this advice. Enough said. Episode 57 is now official. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I kind of enjoyed making it for you this week. You can submit any suggestions or musings to me at ofntpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love hearing from you. Be safe. I'll talk to you next week. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Now, get off my lawn and finish your Christmas shopping. I'm out. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.